this one. It's been, been fun to be with you again, renewing relationships and uh, renewing friendships we've had here at the church. Our relationship with uh, Sheboygan EFC goes back 40 years, uh, right from the day we arrived in Manitowoc uh, in October of 1974, and uh, we served that faith church in Manitowoc for 10 years before God called us from there first as short-term workers, and then uh, he kept us in Reach Global for, well, now we're in our 30th year with Reach Global, uh, serving now as a full-time pastoral couple to missionaries. One of the uh, very enjoyable parts of the weekend for us is to be able to listen to the other reports of missionaries that you have here at the conference in person and via video, because... Uh, well, frankly, when we are in ministry, we kind of get in our own little bubble at times. Uh, we get busy with our stuff, and we know what we got to get done, and we're, we're focused on this particular area of ministry or this particular area of the world. And it's kind of easy to lose perspective, and it's a little easy to lose sight of the idea that, you know, we're not the whole deal in ministry. And no individual worker anywhere is the whole deal, but we're just kind of like a, a piece of the a puzzle. And uh, as we do our work, and as everybody else does their work, and as you do your work, you know, God, God takes all of us little pieces of the puzzle, and he kind of fits them together into this uh, picture, this beautiful mosaic of gospel witness and outreach into all the world. And uh, none of us by ourselves can be that, and uh, the puzzle isn't complete really until, and unless all of us basically have our pieces moved by God into the position he wants them to be in. So for us, it was really fun to listen to the other reports this weekend as well and get back, get to sit and listen to the other workers that you support share their ministry. And as I listened, both in person, to the ones in person and to the ones via video, and then watched today as the offering was being taken and looking at all the families and faces of people on the screen I'm I, I just taken with how different we all are. Uh, I, we are. We are different in so many different ways. We are different in regard to our ages. We, we come in all different sizes and shapes. We come from different family backgrounds. We have different gifts and skills. We have different stuff that's in our, our lunch, going with the theme of the conference. Uh, God's placed us in different locations around the world with different ministries, different struggles, different ways in which the Spirit of Christ is working in us to do His work and accomplish His purpose, and the difference in terms of some of the results. Some, some of the workers uh, you support probably have seen hundreds of people come to Christ. Others may have seen only a handful, or maybe not even any at all yet because of where they are and the resistance of the people groups to whom God has sent them. So there's just a, a huge variety of differences. But the, 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 the deal is we've all brought these differences to Jesus for him to take, for him to use as he wants to use, and for him to have the kind of results coming out of that stuff we bring to Jesus for him to use. But in spite of all the differences... There's a couple of things that all of the workers you've heard from this weekend have in common. Probably more than a couple of things, but at least a couple that I'm going to talk about today. 
some things that I have in common with everybody you've heard, and they have in common with me, but not just those of us who have been called into vocational Christian service or who live in cross-cultural settings, but with you and each other in the church and what you have in common with me and I with you and you with each other and you with every one of the people that you've heard from this weekend. There are two things that all of us hold in common and I want to turn our attention to that this morning and to do that I'd like you to turn to Second Corinthians chapter 4. Take your Bibles or your smartphone Bible or whatever, however you got your Bible and uh, turn to Second Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 18. And uh, while you're turning there, I, I need to tell you, this is a section of Scripture that I, I go to a lot. Not just chapter 4, but 2 Corinthians 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 is, is a great section for when we feel discouraged and down and wonder, is, is God doing anything or we're facing struggles in our lives? Because when I go to this particular passage or this particular section, Second. Corinthians 1 through 5, I find I'm in good company. Because it's there that the Apostle Paul, you know, the great missionary, the, the model for all of us, that's where he shares his struggles in life and ministry in a very, very transparent way. And he does so in order to teach a lesson to a church that is having some problems with pride and arrogance and a whole bunch of other stuff that I'll mention in a minute, to get them to understand that there's one thing that's more important than anything else in all of the world. And it is the first thing that we hold in common, you and I together, and it's the most important thing in all the world. I'm going to read this passage and just listen along and enjoy it and see if you can figure out the two things that we may have in common with each other as I read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 18. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth, plainly we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Chapter 4, verse 7. First first phrase. The Apostle Paul tells us what we all have in common with each other. He says, we have this treasure. There is in each of you who are Christ followers, there is in each of you who has committed yourself to Jesus Christ, there is in you a treasure that the Apostle Paul talks about in this passage. Despite all the differences in what we have to bring to Jesus, despite our family backgrounds, despite our ages, despite our height, our weight, the color of our eyes, the gifts that we have, the the intellectual ability that we have, there is one treasure that we all have, and it is something that we have received from God to give back to Jesus in order that the world may be both blessed and judged by it. It is this treasure, this thing of great value, that occupies the center of our focus. And it is so easy, unfortunately, for us to lose sight of the fact that the heart and soul of our lives and of our work is all about this treasure. Those of you who were here Friday night heard me say that one of the the bad habits I have when speaking was that when, when I wanted to make a point and hoped anybody would remember it, I would say, not regardless of whatever else you may hear, and if you don't remember anything else from this message this morning, remember this. And, and I'm going to say it to you right now. If you don't remember anything else from this message this morning, remember this one thing, that our lives and our ministry and our outreach and our work and our service is all about the treasure that God has placed in us, and it is not about us. It's not about me. Now, sometimes that's hard for us missionaries because as we go around, we we have to present ourselves. We have to present our work. And, And we hope people will pray for us. And we hope that there will be financial support. And sometimes we can lose sight of the fact that it's not about me. It's about the treasure that God has placed in me. And your life and work here in Sheboygan is not about you. It's about the treasure that you possess as a gift from God to be given back to Jesus for the life of the world. It is this treasure that is what ministry is all about. 
So what is it? What is this treasure already? Let's go back to chapter 4. Verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And in a few verses before that, he talked about if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The treasure that each of you, Christ followers, have that is the same as the treasure that I have is that God has placed in us by His Holy Spirit the gospel of Jesus Christ and His cross to be given back to Him to be spilled out for the life of the world. That's the treasure you got from God through Christ. This is a treasure, this is a message which both blesses the world and judges the world. Because when the gospel of Jesus Christ confronts a person, it also calls for a decision. It calls for a response. It elicits a reaction from people. Nobody who ever met Jesus either followed him or turned away from him by just putting up their hands and saying, whatever. Jesus is a decisive type of person. You don't confront Jesus and then go away from him and say, ah, whatever. When we confront Jesus, he will always elicit a response from us of either followership or rejection. That's the gospel. It's a decisive message that we carry. It is a decisive treasure that we have in our hearts. For the Apostle Paul, there was nothing else. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians, beginning with chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to hit a couple highlights here. Don't know if I'll wind up reading the whole section, although it's really a good section. I might. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Again, Paul is sort of bearing his heart to, to a church which frankly doubted whether or not he was a genuine article who doubted his credentials as an apostle. Because when he was with them, he wasn't terribly impressive, to be honest. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, he starts right in by saying, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to we who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. That's the gospel. Stumbling block to the Jews foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then he applies it to the church. He applies it to them. Beginning in verse 26, he says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. God turned the value system upside down in the gospel, or rather he turned the value system right side up. The stuff the world values, wisdom, appearance, uh, all of that sort of stuff God has done away with. And Paul says, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many influential. Not many of noble birth. 
But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. Chose the weak things to shame the strong. Chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things. Things that are not. In other words, things that have no no value whatsoever to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And then he goes on to apply it to himself. And he, and he transparently says to a church that valued appearance and status and was very hostile to him, he said, I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Period. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Why does Paul say all this? Why does he go to great lengths to talk about this so that people will understand that the only thing that counts is the gospel of Jesus Christ and his cross as the treasure that he has placed within us by the Holy Spirit. Our calling is not to make a name for ourselves. It's to make much of Jesus. Our calling is not to make a great name for our mission agency or our denomination or our church. Our passion is not to spread the American dream all over the world. Our common interest, because of this thing we have together, this gospel treasure that's in our hearts, our common interest is to see this gospel embraced by all peoples. Whether that be your next door neighbor, or your friends at school, or guys you rub shoulders with at the office or the workplace or halfway around the world. The location doesn't matter. The treasure is the same as is the calling to get that treasure to all peoples so that all peoples will worship the Father through Jesus Christ. The reality and glory of the ministry of the gospel is that it is never about us. It is always about Jesus And you're probably sitting there thinking right now, okay, tell me something I don't know. But it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to put other stuff in place of Jesus. We can can worship personalities. We We can have our church and our program be center stage. We can have our label, our mission agency, our denomination, our strategy. That can all get in the way of the treasure, which is simply the gospel. God has invested in us, you and me, together, in common, the the gospel of his Son. But we also share something else in common. And it's part of the work I do, Marilyn does, with the member care team of Reach Global. That is, this treasure is put inside some pretty fragile containers. Chapter 4, verse 7, 2 Corinthians. At the very beginning we said, we have this treasure. What does he go on to say? We have this treasure in jars of clay. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of a, a jar of clay, but 
you know, think, of, think of a planter, if you want. Somebody after the uh, second service uh, chatted with me a little bit afterwards and uh, also gave me a great insight in terms of, you know, a planter, you, you put dirt in, basically, and that you grow, you grow flowers or vegetables or start them out in that way. In, in the context Paul's talking about, this was just an ordinary gray stone water pot that was used in houses for, for uh, holding water and uh, other liquids. Um, I, I thought I might change the metaphor a little bit for us in the modern age to have us think in terms of plain brown wrappers, plain brown paper bags. So, you know, that's that, it, it's the treasure, but it, Paul says he has, God has given us this treasure in some pretty plain, breakable containers, jars of clay, plain brown paper bag. You know, we've, uh, we've enjoyed 42 years of ministry with the EFCA in a variety of places and in a variety of ways. Uh, pastor, short-term missionaries, consultants. Uh, we've been in leadership in the mission, now full-time with the REACH Global Member Care Team. You know, we're, we're people who can't really hold a job, basically, is what it amounts to. Um, but our purpose in spending our later years with the REACH Global Member Care Team is to have a ministry of presence, an encouraging ministry of presence in coming alongside of the servants of Christ who, are, who like us, are jars of clay, plain brown paper wrappers who are on the front lines of ministry. Why? Is it because missionaries are by nature unhealthier than the population in general? Well, not at all. That's not the point. But we are like you. Jars of clay. And we, like you, are in the battle for the eternal destiny of human beings created in the image of God. And there is an enemy of our souls who hates God so much and who hates those who are created in His image so much that He will stop at nothing to oppose the advance of the gospel so that people will believe it and be saved and be reconciled to God and have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ in their hearts and lives. There is a ferocious battle taking place, and you and I are in it regardless of the context of our lives. And in that battle, in that battle, we get ripped, we get torn, we get cracked, we get tipped over. Because the treasure is in pretty weak and fragile jars of clay. I can only imagine looking at a congregation of people like this that if we were to go around the room, we'd find that if we could be transparent, everybody here has their stuff that they're dealing with in life because we're jars of clay. We're pretty fragile. We're pretty breakable. Pretty ordinary. Jars of clay, household water pots, plain brown bags, they're pretty utilitarian. They're not fancy. And, and, the, and the deal is, nobody cares what the container looks like when it's that plain and brown. 
You know, how many of you, any guys at the breakfast yesterday morning? I, I, yeah, any of you have the overwhelming urge to do what I did, and that is take one of those brown paper sacks that was on the table and look inside to see what was in it? You know, the, the sacks as table decorations were great, but you know, when you see a container, you don't stop with the container. You've got to find out what's inside. So I, I, had, I just had to take one of those plain brown bags and look inside to see what was in it. And that's the whole point. It's the treasure inside that is the value, not the container. Nobody gets excited about the jar or the bag, but they want to know what's inside. And Paul goes to great lengths to talk about the reality of carrying around a treasure in a pretty fragile container. And what makes this transparency so remarkable is that it is one thing to bear your soul and be, and be open with a group of loving and supporting people who care for you, whether it be in your church or your small group or just another Christian brother or sister, but, but he does so before a group of people who didn't think he was very impressive in the first place. And his whole point is, you are absolutely right, I'm not impressive because I determined to know nothing among you other than Christ crucified. You're impressive. And you seek to be impressed, but we only want Jesus Christ to be known. Well, why would he go? Why would he do this? Is he looking for sympathy? Hardly. Is he looking for more money? No. The point of it all is not a poor me play for sympathy, but rather to emphasize the whole idea. By the way, here's another one if you don't remember anything else. Try to remember this one. God works in and through and out of some of the most unlikely candidates to give life to the world. God takes ordinary people, gives them extraordinary treasure, and then he uses these jars of clay and these plain brown paper sacks to bring life to the world. When you read mission history, by the way, if you've never read the book by Ruth Tucker, From Jerusalem to Erie and Jaya, it's been around about 30 years. It's a great uh, anecdotal mission history, focusing on various figures along the way of mission history up to about 1984. But when you read that history, and when you live that history, it's amazing the people that God uses to carry the treasure. We, we come from dysfunctional families sometimes. We grow bone-weary at times. We become discouraged at the lack of response to the gospel. There's a news flash for you, too. We don't always get along with each other. We get sick. We die. And we struggle. Yes, we struggle. Many of, many of my colleagues struggle with their own experience of the nearness of God when they're slugging it out on the front lines of ministry. Why? Because we're jars of clay. Plain brown paper bags. But it's not about the container. It's about the treasure. I want to close by telling you a missionary story. The story of Agnes. 
from the time she was a very young girl, Agnes believed. In fact, she not only believed, she was on fire for Christ. She was passionate for Jesus. She said things like, I want to love Jesus as he has never been loved before. Agnes had a calling on her life, an undeniable calling. She wrote in her journal that my soul at present is in perfect peace and joy. She experienced a union with God that was so deep and continual that it was to her a rapture. She left home. She became a missionary. She gave Jesus everything. And then he left her. Or at least that's how it seemed to her. That's how it felt. Where's my faith? She asked. Remember, she's, she's serving on the mission field. Deep down, there's nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful this unknown pain. I have no faith. She struggled to pray. I utter words of community prayers and try my utmost to get out of every word the sweetness it has to give. But my prayer of union is not there any longer. Yet she still worked, stayed on, stayed on. She still served. She still smiled. The inner darkness continued year after year with one brief respite for nearly 50 years. God felt absent to Agnes. The presence of God was not present as she had once known his presence. Such was the secret pain of missionary Agnes. These journal entries and letters were intended only for her spiritual directors. Agnes died in 1997. A couple of years before that, in February of 1994, when Agnes got up to speak, Agnes, better known to us as Mother Teresa, got up to speak at the National Prayer Breakfast and chided the powerful of the United States on our attitudes toward human life. She carried into that speech an undeniable spiritual presence and authority that overwhelmed many of the people who heard her speak at that breakfast. Just a plain brown paper bag. Just a jar of clay fighting the same spiritual battles that you and I often fight. God used her for his glory because of the treasure of the gospel. What happens when paper bags get ripped? What happens when they get torn? What happens when ceramic pots, clay pots get cracked? What happens when they tip over? What's inside leaks? What's inside spills out. The contents are released. 
treasure leaks, treasure spills. Lives are changed. The gospel is advanced. And the world is touched as more people come into the kingdom. You and I have that treasure, each of us who are Christ followers. May it be spilled out of us. May it leak out from us. May it, and may God break us. May God crack us. May God tip us. May God tear us so that the treasure can be released. Let's pray. Holy Father, first of all, help us recognize that you have made a a huge deposit of valuable treasure in each of us, and it is the gospel. Lord, as we look in the mirror, help us not to just see the shell, but help us to have eyes of faith to see that your spirit The gospel of reconciliation, the gospel of the kingdom dwells within us. But it's never been intended to stay there. Lord, whatever you have to do, release that treasure from us to the world. Wherever that world may be. God, maybe it's just a simple act of kindness toward a neighbor. Maybe it's just a word that's well chosen for the right moment. Maybe it's an invitation to study your word. Maybe it's just opening the home to a foreign student. Maybe it's a lunchtime Bible study at the factory or office. God, don't let us keep it inside and forgive us for when we hoard it and don't share it. Lord, we confess to you that we are but jars of clay. Every one of us. To you that doesn't matter because you take some pretty pretty strange jars of clay and invest your treasure to be spilled out for the life of the world. Help us to see. Help us to have eyes to see. Ears to hear. And help us by your spirit to have your values. For Jesus' sake. Amen. May the Lord be with you. Have a great Sunday.